This afternoon, we're going to be uh, continuing, uh, returning, if you will, since it's been a few weeks, to our uh, series in the book of Hebrews, continuing with part five of this section, uh, holding on to the greater than. Let's take a look today at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read through the entirety of the chapter uh, for context sake. We'll be focusing on verses 11 through 3 today. I mean 1 through 3 today. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, is it impossible to please him? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he commended the world, condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city." By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid 
of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured his seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that part from us they should not be ma- that apart from us they should not be made perfect let us pray father we thank you for this your holy word would you work it within us by the work of your spirit to strengthen and increase our faith would you do your work in each of us according to your purposes and according to your plan We ask, O Lord, that you would make much of yourself today among us. We ask that you would guide this preacher, that you would chain him to the text of your word, that he might freely declare truth, that he might do so with clarity, with accuracy, with understanding. And these things we pray, our Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've seen in our study of the book of Hebrews, as then we've also mentioned there's multiple different ways you could say Hebrews is what upon what Hebrews is focused different ways of describing it we've chosen in our study uh, Jesus the one who's the greater than and we've looked at the establishment of that in uh, chapters 1 all the way through chapter 10 verse 18 establishing Jesus being greater than all that has come before and all that there could be for us he's greater than He's the greatest prophet. He's greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than the priesthood and the greater sacrifice. And now we're seeing the implications of that, of the importance to hold on to the greater than. That this is what Christianity fundamentally rests, what Christianity, the Christian life is about. It is fundamentally about holding on to Jesus, who is the greater than. 
that is the beginning of Christian life, the middle of Christian life, and the end of Christian life. Because Jesus is the whole basis of what Christianity is. We saw last time that we were in Hebrews in verses 35, 35 through 39. The establishment that they have need of endurance or they have need of patience. Which is fundamentally the need for faith in Christ. For from faith springs endurance. From faith springs uh, springs that patience which is necessary. The need to wait for that which is coming. The need to endure and to look forward to what is coming. Knowing that the present circumstances pale in comparison to the joys that are set before those who are in Christ Jesus. And thus looking forward to to that remembering that these wonderful words it will end it will end and so keep going keep putting one foot in front of the other and so the need for endurance is the need for faith that is to continue to rest in Christ to receive from him it is by by faith as we saw in Hebrews 10 verse 39 When it says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That it is by faith that believers hold on to Christ. And now we're going to continue in that in this new section of this part of Hebrews as a continuation of that thought. John Calvin, in his commentary on this, he bemoaned the fact that a new chapter was put here by whoever put in the chapter numbers. He said it makes it seem like there's a brand new thought. But in reality, it's a continuation. It's an expansion, an explanation of what had come before with regards to this need for endurance that springs from faith. In fact, the very first word in the Greek text is uh, what we call marked for further explanation, for further um, expounding. And so it's expanding on this idea of this faith and why it is the whole basis, not just faith in and of itself, but faith in Christ is the whole basis for Christian existence. And we see in these first three verses, which which begins this whole section that I like to call in verses four through the end of the chapter, the hall of faith. We speak of halls of fame, different sports have their hall of fame. Here we have what I like to call the hall of faith. A description of those who, by faith, endured many different things. By faith, waited a long time for things to to come to pass. Even having less revelation of, of what the promise is than we do. And he establishes with a description of faith. Telling us what it is that we have by faith. By faith in Christ Jesus. It's described in two different terms in verse one. And then in verses two and three, uh, there is an explanation of that. So the the way it's described in the two different terms is, first of all, uh, it is the assurance or the essence or the substance of things that are hoped for. And it is the conviction or evidence or demonstration or revelation of things not seen. Those are all different ways we could translate the words that are put there 
uh, for what is there in the ESV here as assurance and as uh, and as um, conviction. So it's described in two different ways as being the assurance of something for what is hope, which is hoped and the conviction of things that are not seen. And another way of reading this, now faith, is the assurance and is the conviction. Another way we could read this based on the word order in the original languages is there is or there exists this thing called faith, namely, which gives you a firm confidence and gives you the conviction. So when we look at these things, there's a number of different um, words that words and ideas that we need to think about here first of all is this word confidence we're going to look at this first part uh, the assurance of things hoped for or confidence of things hoped for this assurance of things that are hoped for have any of you ever have any of you heard uh, a theological term called the hypostatic union it's a term that has to do with the union of the divine nature to the human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. That is, and it has the idea of substance in which you had two substances united in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, the word there that is translated as assurance or in, or in older translations, uh, confidence or even older translations, the substance, comes from that very same word, which no word in any language just means the same thing every time it's used. And it's perfectly okay for it to be translated differently than substance. What we have this idea is that whether we look at it as confidence, we look at it as assurance, the idea is that the Faith is the essence or substance or confidence of things for which we hope. There are things that faith supplies. I personally like to waste, I personally like to say it gives substance to. It gives substance to the things that we hope for. That's the way I personally like to uh, state it. But what faith supplies, that is, is it makes real to us, it makes clear to us, it brings us the confidence of things for which we hope. After all, things for which we hope are things that we don't yet see, correct? It is, brings a real reality, if you will, in the minds and souls of believers. And that's a way that we could look at it. We could also see that... Um, Faith uh, is, um, and by faith we have, if you, another way of saying it, uh, as John Owen says, the essence of these things. It causes them to be and to be present because it believes them. That which are not, those things that have yet to come to pass, those things for which we hope and expect, we see them clearly by faith. Thus, we have confidence of them. Thus, we might say that they give substance to those things for which we hope. Because these things for which we hope 
which we do not yet see with these eyes that we cannot necessarily he- that we don't hear in in fullness with these ears that we can't touch with these hands that we can't smell with these noses it is present to and visible to our faith in Christ Jesus when one has faith these things are seen by faith received by faith and so by faith we have the confidence the assurance or these things for which we hope are given substance by faith so what are these things what are these things and this was another thing that came to my mind as i was studying and preparing this text is this was another word that uh, kind of threw me for a loop in the way that I was used to translating it. Um, You may have heard of the English word pragmatic. Pragmatic has to do with practices or experience. Well, the word there translated as the things is 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 the root for that English word, pragmatos or practices, or things, or realities is another way of saying it. Another thing that threw me for a loop. But in reality, we've already seen what these things are, and we're going to see more and more what these things are as we've studied the book of Hebrews. These are things that are rooted in what Christ has already done on our behalf as the greater than. The one who is greater than angels, though for a while made lower than the angels. The one who is greater than Moses. The one who is greater than the priesthood. And the one who offers the superior sacrifice. What he has done on our behalf. And that he has given us this life for which we eagerly wait. We have the hope of escaping God's judgment and of entering into his eternal presence. As we read earlier in Hebrews 11 of the city for which Abraham was looking. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, which we covered some time back. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment... So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That is that for which we, ate, which we hope. A, and after all, after all, we get through chapter 11 and we get into the next section in chapter 12, we see that we're called upon to look to this one who's the greater than. Jesus, the greater than and to look at what he did, and that he endured the agonies of, the, of his human existence, endured the agonies of the cross and the suffering on account because of the things for which he knew was coming. Those things. <clears throat> and by faith, we have the reality of those. By faith, we see those. I mentioned earlier the city for which we, for which we wait in Hebrews chapter 13, we have that described. And we've mentioned this several times because it's uh, such a um, driving theme of the book of Hebrews. Uh, 
But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come, the city that's waiting for us, the city for which Abraham was looking, the one that we mentioned earlier from later on in Hebrews chapter 11. And we have it, as we read in this chapter, and we'll look at it more in future, uh, future weeks, I don't want to get too much into it because I don't wish to steal my own future thunder. But it says we have it far better that we have it far better than the ancients, those who came before, because they were looking for something that was being revealed more and more as time passed and as God gave more revelation. But yet, even the prophets long to look into what we have. The things they prophesied, they were, they, they were, we don't know exactly what this is and what this is going to happen, but we know this is a great thing. And it's come to us now, and we're on that side of it. And so we even have more, we have the greater revelation. So how much more, and that's one of the things we'll see, how much more should we hold on to Christ and by faith know the assurance, the conviction And have substance given to that for which we hope. And hope. I I try to be, and I'm not always, I try to be very careful of how I use in my everyday speech the word hope. What is it when we think of when we think of hope? In coming months... And in the next year, there's going to be lots of people using the word hope. For there's a certain season coming up upon us in our country's way of doing things. People talk a lot about hope. And usually what they mean is, uh, I try to figure out what is meant when they say this hope. I can't figure out what they mean. Maybe a sense of uh, feel good about things. Or a sense of... um, Or a sense of maybe it will turn out all right. Sometimes we might use the word hope in the sense of, um, which I've used before during times where um, things, uh, there might have been struggles in the pocketbook and say, I sure hope that uh, there's money at the end of the month and not month at the end of the money. And usually when I'm using that is it is a, it's a desire for something to come to pass that I'm not sure is going to happen. That is as far away from the idea of hope that is being spoken of here than we could possibly get. Hope is not seen, but hope for the Christian, though it is not seen, it is something that is not a wishful desire, but rather it is a confident expectation. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 says this, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Then we, back several years ago when we were in 1 Peter, Hebrews, uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice in there, what is it that we've been born again to? A living hope, not a dead one, not a dying one, but one that is alive, one that has life and one that has expectation. And notice also, how does it say that, um, verse 5, that we are guarded, guarded by faith, kept in heaven for us, guarded by faith. Now, faith itself is not the hope. There are three things, Paul says, faith, hope, and love. It begins with faith, from that comes hope, from that comes love. Love being the greatest manifestation of that. But faith itself is not hope. But it is by faith that we have confident expectation. By faith we expect these things. But because of the intertwining of it all, we can say that faith is that confidence because it is by faith that we have it. By faith that we have it. And again, when we say by faith, we must remember this is not faith unto itself. That is faith in faith. And it's not the kind from a song from my uh, high school, middle school years. The man saying, you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. That's faith in faith. But rather, no, it's the object of the faith that brings it about. Faith is only as good as its object. And so it is by faith in Christ that we have this confidence. Hope, by its very nature, is by its nature that which is not present to its fullest extent. We cannot place our hope in that which is not promised or in that which we see and have right now. We must, we must expect, we must, our expectations must be guided by the scriptures. And scriptures tell us we have no lasting city here. We look forward to that which is coming to us. And we have the pre- his presence with us in us. And that that future is present among us and in us in Christ Jesus as a taste of things that are yet to come. As the illustration that we've used, we've got the cake batter. And it tastes pretty good. But, it is, but we're still waiting for that when it gets baked. And we have that wonderful yellow cake with vanilla frosting. Or if you happen to prefer chocolate cake, like my wife, a dark dark German chocolate cake with a dark chocolate frosting. And so, we hope for that which we do not yet see. But by faith, we see it. By faith, it's real to us. By faith, when we read the scriptures, God works in us and makes these things real to us. I'd say, well, you know, I read the Bible yesterday and I really didn't experience much. Well, or I heard the sermon last week. And yeah, it was a good sermon, but it wasn't an earth shattering experience. Well, I must ask us. Can you remember what you ate for lunch three years ago yesterday? Yeah, probably not. 
unless it was some sort of monumentous occasion. But you can you can you can probably say yes, I probably did eat, and it probably gave and it gave me nourishment, even though it wasn't sort of earth shattering experience. And so by faith, that happens to us. God is visible and present to our faith. And so if we wish for this hope to be ever more real to us, for us to keep putting one foot in front of the other, what is the call? But it is to hold on to the greater than and to keep believing and trusting him and resting upon him and receiving from him. Those two basic ideas, resting upon him and receiving from him are the principal acts of faith. Resting and receiving. There's things which flow from faith, but those are not faith itself. We must rest upon Christ and receive from him. It is from that repentance and submission and obedience all flow. It is from that that endurance and hope as we're looking at today flow. And so rest in Christ and we will see it becomes ever more real to us. Now, the second description of faith that he gives is he says it is the evidence or the demonstration of things of that which is not seen. Of that which is invisible to us. Again, this idea behind evidence or as it's translated here, um, the conviction. There's a number of different ways of getting a hold of reading this and translating and understanding it. You say the evidence or the demonstration or the conviction or the revelation of things that we do not see. John Owen again says, it is a proof or demonstration of anything as carries with it an answer. And so by faith, we have the proof of that which we do not see. You might say seeing is believing. But here we say believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. By believing upon Christ, we see that which we do not and cannot presently see. And he supports this idea in just a little bit, which we'll be getting into. But faith, by faith, we have a sure and certain conviction regarding all of the things for which we do not see. We can look at all the past events of the Old Testament. And as he does in a moment, looks at the very creation of the world. We can look at the life, the death, the resurrection, the session of Christ. All the events recorded in the Gospels of Christ Jesus. All the events we see in the scriptures. And though we do not we do not see these with our eyes and none of us have seen it by faith, we have the conviction of these things we don't and have not seen. And by faith, we have the conviction, the demonstration of that which we do not see that is still coming, that for which we hope. The future events, our resurrection, the final judgment New heaven and the new earth. So by faith, all of these things become to us 
revealed, seen, demonstrated. More and more as we continue to rest in and receive from Christ. And by faith, as we continue to endure, our faith is strengthened, and thus it becomes more real to us, and then we endure more, and our faith is strengthened um, ad infinitum until the end of the age. That's the Latin phrase for infinitely. So it's not really infinitely, but many, 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 many times until the end of the age, until it's done. Now, again, faith itself is not the evidence. Because that would make faith evidence unto itself. Faith is not, something cannot be evidence unto itself. There's only one upon whom, there's only one upon whom, who can swear by himself, as we looked at the book of, earlier in the book of Hebrews, and that's God. Because he alone has the character by, uh, by which he can swear upon himself, or give evidence unto himself. But rather, it's by faith that we have this made visible to us with clarity. And so by faith, we apprehend. By faith, we see what is unseeable. Because as we mentioned earlier, it is present and visible to our faith in Christ Jesus. Thus, we can say faith is the evidence. Faith is the demonstration. Faith is the revelation of that which we don't see. Because it is by faith we have all that. By faith, when we take communion, Christ in those elements is present, not in the elements themselves, but present to our faith. Though we don't see Christ to our faith, Christ's body and blood is present. And thus we see what cannot be seen. When the word is preached truly and faithfully, we see Christ who cannot be seen because he is present to our faith. We see that which is coming which cannot be seen because it is present to our faith. It is demonstrated to our faith. And now looking at these things that we don't see, which I just touched on just a moment ago. What is it that we don't see? What are these things that we don't see? It's very similar to the things for which we hope. In fact, this is a way of speaking in which these two things speak of one another and strengthen each other. That for which we hope and again, has occurred for us in Christ. It is by faith. When we look at 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 9, we read from verses 3 through 5 earlier. But it is by faith that we love him whom we've never seen and continue to believe in him who we've never laid eyes on. As it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And this, of course, is true 
because we have the Spirit of God within us revealing these things to us by faith. Gave the illustration a couple weeks ago. We'll give it again. One of my heroes of church history, I have many heroes, by the way, who did different things and different purposes. One of them is a man by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce wanted to be a preacher, but the Lord had other plans for him. And William Wilberforce was was the the catalyst was used as the catalyst and was instrumental in ending uh, slavery in the United Kingdom. And he based it upon his Christian faith. But William Wilberforce was cl- a close friend with the man who eventually became prime minister, and he took his friend to church with him. And William Wilberforce, after the message, was talking about how wonderful the sermon was. And his friend, eventually became the prime minister, said, what was he blathering on about? What was the difference? William Wilberforce had faith, a faith that was given to him, faith in Christ. And so the truth was made visible to him. As Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. How is it that we hear his voice? We hear his, vo- we hear his voice by faith. We hear his voice in the scriptures by faith. By faith in Christ. And in, as we mentioned earlier from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it is by faith that we are, we are kept. It is by faith that we endure. It is by faith that we live Faith in Christ. And we might say, oh, but my faith, it is not strong. It is a weak faith. Oh, my brother and sisters, it's not the quality of our faith that God looks at. If it were the quality of our faith, then God would not do anything with us and in us. So you might say, but my faith is insincere. I said, of course, your faith is not as sincere as it should be. Mine is not either. But it is not the quality of our faith. It is not because God sees a certain quality to our faith and then rewards it with life and endurance. Rather, it is because our faith is in Christ Jesus and receives from him. It is in Christ. It is the object of the faith that matters. Because faith looks outside of ourselves to Christ Jesus. Remember, and also just remember this faith is something that did not originate within ourselves. It's something God gave to us in Christ Jesus. But it's because it looks to Christ and receives from Him. Because it looks to the one who is the greater than. It looks to the one who is the sufficient one. The one who is qualified, the one who is fully sincere, the one who fulfilled all of God's righteous requirements, the one who took upon himself our sin and died upon the cross and rose from the dead because it looks to him and receives from him. Thus, by faith, we endure. So in light of all this, we have the built-in exhortation to quote a wildly popular song from the 1980s. Don't stop believing. 
those three words are pretty much the only words of the song I would be comfortable quoting in a sermon. Don't stop believing. And then we see in verses 2 and 3 the support given to this. The first support given is that the people of old received their condemnation. The word there translated people of old is the same word from which elder or presbyter is translated. An elder does not, doesn't always have to mean a church officer, nor does it have to mean someone who's living among us who's um, longer in the tooth than we are. Rather, here it's referring to those who have gone before. I like one, one uh, commentator translated it as the ancients. The ancients. By the ancients, he means those whom he speaks about later in the book of Hebrews chapter, here in chapter 11. He speaks of Abel. He speaks of Enoch. He speaks of Abraham. He speaks of Sarah. He speaks of Moses. And he speaks of countless others who, who he doesn't have time to name. Those are the ancients. And he says, by faith, they were confirmed or they were commended because they had faith in the God who made promises and believed those promises that had yet to be revealed or properly grasped. He said, God made a promise that he will send a deliverer way back in the beginning in the garden when we fell, that he would send one who was of the seed who was a descendant of Eve, who would crush the head of the serpent. And what that looked like and what it was not all clear. It was revealed more and more, but they kept believing his promises and that which still had to be revealed or properly grasped. As I mentioned just a moment ago, the writer of Hebrews is about to unroll these ancients and speak about what he means by this. But God shows his approval of them because they believed him. They trusted him. They waited for his promise by faith. They demonstrated Hebrews 10 verse 39, which we read just a little while ago. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. It's not because they saw the things that they hoped for. Nor is it because we see the things with these eyes for which we hope and the things that are still yet to see. And just like them, we are confirmed by faith in promises that in promises that still have realization to come for us. He has fulfilled promise in sending his son, Jesus Christ. How much more should we believe his promise? The promise that he will deliver his people, that he will bring us home, that he will keep us, that he will keep us putting one foot in front of the other. All the more reason to not do what the, the, the audience to whom is being written to turn back to that which can do nothing them. To that, the original readers, remember, were 
most likely Jewish believers who, because of the threat of persecution and suffering and maybe just plain weariness, were tempted to go back to that Mosaic covenant. But that Mosaic covenant is done. It is done. It's complete. It is no longer in force at all. And it's to go back to something that cannot and never did bring about forgiveness of sins. For it merely pointed to the one who would do that. And that one has come. And we know. And the next point he gives is that we know that creation exists solely on account of God. Not in any sort of raw material. And we know that by faith. Verse 2, for by the people of old received their commendation. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, we know the creation exists solely on account of God's command that was not made out of some sort of existing raw materials. Everything we make, we make from raw materials from some sort of thing that is already exists and is visible. The clothes that I'm wearing, I didn't make. Somebody else made them. But they made them from things that already existed and were visible. Everything in this room is made from things that already existed. The grandest structures that humans might make are made from things that already existed. By faith, we know that when God made the creation, he made it by his word, not from things that already were and could be seen. And not only that, we'll further stand back from a more, what we might call big picture viewpoint, this visible creation that he made reveals the invisible attributes of God. Because God made it. Romans 1, 18 through 20. It says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteous unrighteousness of men, whether unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that we have that have been made. So they're without excuse. But the main point I wanted to see there, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. That which is even not seen is made known through that which he made, which was not made from anything that could be seen. But he simply said, exist, and it existed. And we know that by faith. By faith, we see that the visible creation was made by the one we cannot see, and yet reveals his invisible attributes. None of us saw the creation. None of us saw it happen. Not even the person who recorded it saw it happen. In Genesis 1 and following. But it was known by faith. Because God made it known and revealed it. And by faith, we see this. By means of faith, Lutheran commentator 
Richard Lenski. He says, the essence of which is confidence and assurance in regard to unseen things. By this means alone, we understand how the world came to be. The mind simply has to have faith. Not faith in what other men have said, but faith in the one who made the world. Faith in the one who was there. Faith in the one who was pleased to tell us about it. That he made the world and he set and he began it and he set it on course and is still directing it. And he's doing so by means of his uttered word. And that's how he called, called things into being. We call that creation ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. And by faith we, we know that to be true. We have the conviction of that. By faith. Our first in, now, our first instinct when we see passages, a verse like this, often is to use this as an apologetic. But this is not written as an apologetic. This is written to edify and strengthen and exhort those who are of like faith as the author. By apologetic, I mean, if you don't know what that means, as a defense of the faith. We must remember that the scriptures here are written to believers that we as believers might be encouraged and exhorted in Christ to hold on to him, to walk in him. It is not first and foremost a see, I told you so moment. No, it is to say this, believer, beloved in Christ Jesus. By f- we not only say, uh-huh, to that which is patently obvious, that God created the world. It's patently obvious. We read from Romans 1 that God created the world. But rather, by faith, we understand the significance of it. And it is the beginning of our thinking. Just as creation was rooted in what was visible, being rooted in a word from God, so it is for the things we hope and the things we do not see. It is present to and visible to our faith. By faith we see it. By faith we know it to be true. By faith we understand its significance more and more. So brothers and sisters, by faith, let us understand these things. And in closing, we mentioned earlier, from first, using First Peter 1, 3 through 5 as an illustration. Faith in Christ is the instrument in the life of the Christian. It is by faith we endure. It is through faith that we are kept by the power of God. And that faith is rooted in, is, is oriented towards Christ Jesus. My own mentor in New Testament and Greek studies in seminary I wasn't there for it because I graduated, but I have it recorded. I'll have to share it with you all sometime. But he preached a chapel sermon walking through the book of Mark. And he went through all this theological significance of what Mark is telling us about Jesus. At the very end, he said, and now after all that, I have to tell you something. Is that going to be absolutely theologically profound? And he said, after 40 years of ministry, 
both in the church and at the college. What we can take from this is this. There's only one thing that really matters, and it's Jesus. And by faith, resting in him. By faith, resting in him. And so, just as has been exhorted a number of times in this book, by implication and directly, it would be the height of folly to turn away. It's all the more reason to dig deeper into Christ Jesus by faith. Is the world around you getting to you? Dig into Christ Jesus, my brother and sisters in Christ. For by faith we have the substance of that which we hope. Or maybe your own world is getting to you. Dig deeper into Christ Jesus by faith. And in so you can endure. Maybe we're plagued, plagued by the knowledge of our sin. The weight of our own sinfulness. Which abides still. That's not reason to turn away. That's all the more reason to dig into Christ and for the anchor to sink deeper. For by faith we have the evidence of which we do not yet see. We do not see what we shall be with these eyes and with our experience. But by faith it's present to us that finally the presence of sin and our own sins shall finally be done. And so by faith, brothers and sisters... Let us be assured. Let us have by faith the things which you hope for be given substance to. And let us be certain of the things that are not seen by looking to Christ by faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that though we do not see that which is, that which is coming and we even have not seen that which has come, By faith, it's real to us. And we ask, O Father, you would strengthen us in this truth. Grow us in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Help us to dig deeper into Christ. By faith. And these things we pray, our Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.